Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey there, friends, and welcome to today's happy hour. I have a phenomenal guest on the show today, and I am so excited for you to hear this conversation. Now, if you're listening to this live on the day it releases on January 20th, it is the inauguration day today for our new President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. And I just want to say that some of you might have a lot of feelings about today. Some of you are very, very excited, and some of you are very, very sorrowful and nervous. And I want to let you know that Dr. Evans' conversation that I have with him today could not come on a better day than today. There you go. That's who I have here on the show today. Dr. Tony Evans is here and I highly respect Dr. Evans. I'm a fan of his work and he is a loyal, devoted follower of Jesus Christ and a leader in the church today that we can all look to for guidance and help and confidence in these hard seasons. And today we have conversations about just that, hard seasons. We talk about his new book, U-Turns, which you can get. It's out now. I highly recommend it. Great book. U-Turns is the third book in a series of books that Dr. Evans has written. The first one was Detours and then Pathways. And this book shows people who are facing negative circumstances and consequences for past sins, how God can take messes and turn them into miracles. And I'm telling you, that's what we all need right now is we need God to take our screw-ups and turn them into miracles. Dr. Evans and I also talked today about church and the way that the church can stand up and be the church right now in the midst of such a divided season in our country, politically, racially, culturally, and even within the church. This episode is fire, and I mean that in the absolute best way, is that most of the time I was just wishing that I could just stop talking to him and take all the notes, and so you're going to want to take all the notes as well. I want to remind you that if there's anything that Dr. Evans and I talk about that you're interested in, we always put links up for you on our show notes. You can find those by going to jamieivy.com slash hh357. That stands for happy hour number 357, which is Dr. Evans' episode today. Guys, if you're like me and you're just thinking politics has been so difficult in the last year, I don't know if you were able to catch our series that we did back in October called Faith and Politics. We wanted to have a conversation where you could listen to myself interview another person about how do we persevere in this hard season with politics as followers of Jesus. On October 12th, we had Catherine Freeman and Scott Sauls join me. And then again, on October 19th, Amy Wolf and Eugene Cho joined me. If you're interested in listening to those, I highly recommend you go back and find them in the archives. Again, they both released back in October. Guys, today's show is a good one. It is a really, really, really good one. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Dr. Tony Evans. Dr. Evans, welcome to the happy hour. Good to be with you, Jamie. Been looking forward to our time together. I'm excited to have you. I'm going down the list of Evan's family members on the show. I've had your daughters, Crystal and Priscilla. I've had Jonathan Pitts. I've had Winter Pitts. I've had Alina Pitts. And now I'm very excited to welcome you, Dr. Evans, to the show today as we talk about lots of things that we can talk about within our church and within how you have a new book to help us really battle so many things that we might be experiencing right now with anxiety and pressures and decisions that we've made and wanting to really take back our life and follow Jesus that way. Dr. Evans, I was just re-watching one of my favorite things I've ever seen you do, and it might not have been the favorite thing you've ever done, but it was a conversation that you had with your children the night after my friend and your niece, Winter Pitts, passed away. And you said something that I have never, ever, ever forgotten. 
and I would like to tell you what it was. One of your sons asked you, how do we find the goodness of God in this moment? And I think that a lot of people right now are struggling with that, of how do we find the goodness of God? We've had COVID, we've had political unrest, racial unrest, all kinds of things. And you said this, and I've never forgotten it. You said, because I believe what I preach, I believe in the sovereignty of God, and I believe in the goodness of God. And you've been a leader in the church for years and years and years and years, and you've walked through tragedy. How do you still stand on that goodness of God in the midst of so much difficult seasons in your personal life and in the life that we're all living right now? The greatest truth that we can learn is about the sovereignty of God. That is, God rules and he overrules, and that nothing happens to us that does not pass through his fingers first. So once you understand that, one, he controls everything either by causing or allowing it, And then he providentially manages everything toward its ultimate outcome. Then we are to now place our confidence in his ability to pull off righteous, good purposes, even in the midst of pain. Once that becomes your worldview, not just a momentary feeling, but the way you operate, the way you view life, then you assume certain things. You assume that the All things are working together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. So the best way to be able to deal with the struggles and pains of life and culture and and everything else is to understand that God is in charge of it all. And when you know that, even though you may know it in pain and tears and struggle and doubt and all those things that come with it, because you know who he is— his character. It enables you to keep going even when your get up and go feels like it's gotten up and gone. Like it's gotten up and gone. It reminds me of the scripture where Jesus is talking about a man who builds his house on the rock and then the man who builds his house on the sand. You know, those storms are going to come. The same storms hit everybody. You know, nobody's immune to storms, but it's that foundation. And I think right now a lot of people are wondering where their foundation stands. And so I guess I want to ask you, someone who might be going through difficult time because of loss or COVID or loss of job or politics or race or fill in the blank, whatever it might be, how do you encourage them to build on that foundation? Because I think that's what it is for me is like, I can't choose to try to believe that in the midst of suffering. I got to have that before. Absolutely. Well, the very first thing you must do is understand something. When you are going through what the Bible calls trials at whatever level, personal, family, church, cultural, you have to know God always wants in the midst of that and coming out of that for us to draw nearer to him. Mm. So trials are always an invitation. They are an invitation to close the gap of distance because God always uses them to take us to the next spiritual level. So when you know that that is the goal, because, you know, we we quote Romans 8, 28, but often don't quote verse 29, which says that he does these things in order to conform us to the image of Christ. So there is a spiritual purpose to my life's situation Mm -hmm. to invite God into that purpose Obviously, to have that philosophy before, so you have a foundation, because it's hard to fix a foundation in a storm. Right. (laughs) In a storm, pouring a foundation doesn't work. So having one already, but then to begin to ask God, God, this hurts, this is painful, this is a trial of difficulty, but I am willing to be transformed by your son through it. Mm. That is a faith statement, even though it may not cooperate with your feelings at the moment. 
oh, our feelings are so difficult sometimes because I can say I want to be transformed, but yet I'm feeling such heartache or such anger or such bitterness or such anxiety. And it is, it is a step of faith to say in the midst of those feelings, God, I want you to transform me. One of the things about feelings is that they have no intellect. You know, feelings come and go, but they don't think. What happens is our thoughts affect our feelings. So when we drive our thoughts Godward, then it allows our feelings to catch up. Our feelings are not the engine that caboose. And whenever you flip that script, then you will always be on a roller coaster emotion. Always on a roller coaster. Your newest book that just released a couple of weeks ago in early January is called U-Turns. And it's a third in a series that you've walked through. So can you tell us a little bit about this new book that you have? Right. Well, the first book was Detours, where we looked at the life of Joseph, and it showed how God does twists and turns to get us to his will. Then it was a Pathways, where we looked at the story of Esther and saw how God providentially uses the microscopic things in order to accomplish his purposes. And then in this book, U-Turns, its the subtitle is Reversing the Consequences in Your Life. Most people have consequences, either for their sin, the sin of somebody else that affected them, or the contaminated environment in which we live. And that sends us on a road of negative repercussions. Mm -hmm. And so U-turns, like on a highway, when you're going the wrong way, you have to exit, cross over the ramp, get back on the own ramp, and come back the other way to get home. So what we try to show is how God can give us U-turn from various situations in our lives where we're suffering the repercussions of those situations. And God is able to hit a bullseye with a crooked stick. So we want to show that all hope is not lost, no matter how bad it's been, how long it's been, how deep it's gone. If God is in the equation, it is still redeemable. It's so good because so many times we look at our lives and I've said it, I'm sure you've said it, everyone said it, is I wish I could go back and redo whatever it is. You know, we wish we could have this ability to go back and alter the choices that we made, but that's obviously not true and no one can do that. But there is hope that you're saying that we can change those consequences, change the path on the way. Hope right now, you know, it's a thing that I think everyone's trying to grasp onto. Where's the hope in the day to day? And, you know, I think a lot of people in the church are looking and saying, hey, where's the hope? that we have right now. What is your conversations that you're having with church leaders about how do we lead our churches and congregations well in the midst of so much uncertainty, maybe even, you know, congregants having the exact thing you're talking about of wishing they could change things? How are you talking with church leaders about how we can offer hope to our people? One of the passages that I focused on in Second Chronicles 15, and verses three to six, it says, in those days there was no true God, no teaching priest, no law. And it says that there was conflict everywhere. And then verse 6 says, for God troubled them with every kind of distress. Mm. Now, you would have thought it would have said the devil troubled them because it was chaos. But it says God troubled them. And then verse 4 says, in their distress, they sought the Lord and he let them find him. Mm. So God will often allow conundrums, distresses, difficulties to force us to pursue him at a higher level. Not because he's trying to hurt us, although it does hurt but he's trying to take us to a new place with him. Verse 15 of that says, when they sought him at that level, he gave them rest. So everybody's looking for rest. They're looking for hope. Pastors and leaders, particularly pastors, need to drive their congregations to a deeper spiritual level. Many people are praying at a level they've never prayed before. Many people are seeking spiritual direction at a level that they've never sought it before because God has been marginalized. And whenever God is marginalized over a life, a family, a church, or a nation, 
disturbance is going to come because this there's this gap and nature pours a vacuum. It's filled by the wrong thing. So so I tell people there is hope, but the hope comes from the hope giver, not just from your desire to have it. That's so so you must pursue a person and not merely a solution or a program. Yeah. Dr. Evans, you've been a pastor for over 40 years, I think. You've been at the head pastor at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship and seen a lot of ministry, a lot of days, a lot of the world. And what we're seeing right now in 2020 and 2021, is this maybe one of the most difficult times you've seen within the church? I don't mean like the world church, because let me just tell you, my husband came home from staff meeting the other day and told me about all the people that have gotten saved through our missionaries around the world. And I just need to everyone know the church is alive and well and doing great and people are following him. His name will be known everywhere. But I start to feel as though right now there's a lot of dissension within the church here in America. Would you say this is one of the most times you've seen that in your years of ministry? It's come to the surface. It's been there at different levels, but this situation has brought it to the surface. And I believe that's one of the dominant reasons for what we're going through. The failure of the church has contributed greatly to the chaos in the culture. And God's not going to skip the church house to fix the White House. So while everybody's looking at politics and all that kind of stuff, no, God is saying, look, if my people, if I can get them right. In fact, God says in uh, what uh, Ezekiel 43, you've let your kings get too close to my throne. So you've got one part of the church that's clamoring for the Democrats, another part of the church that's clamoring for the Republicans, and God is saying, y'all got them people too close to me. There's only one king up in here, up in here, and I'm it. So let's get the church focused on the spiritual priority of their God, and then I can bring calm to the culture. You know, you say that, I'm like, yes, 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 amen, amen. But it also feels so difficult right now. And so if it feels so difficult, how do we, as followers of Jesus, how do we push forward in this? How do we keep following him? How do we keep making his name known in the midst of, like you said, you know, God's not going to, you know, skip the church house to fix the White House, which that might be my favorite quote I've ever heard on the happy hour, Dr. Evans. How do we as Christ followers continue to seek him faithfully in these times? You know, our whole thing is what we call the kingdom agenda, the visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of life. And there are four categories within that. One is personally. What am I doing personally to draw near to God and to build bridges with others, Mm. particularly others who are different than me? So personally, am I reaching out? Because, you know, even if you're not guilty of something, you can empathize with the situation. And so what am I doing to build a bridge? Secondly of all is family. How am I orienting my family with this mindset that as a family, because one of the big problems in the culture today is the breakdown of the family, even among Christians. They have stopped fighting for the biblical family. So we've got to, as families, because the family is the foundation of the society, of the civilization. So as families, we've got to say, how are we going to, as a family, as for me and my house, move toward God and move toward others in the family of God for unity? And then, of course, church leaders are going to have to say, we're going to have to appeal to biblical unity, which is oneness of purpose, not sameness of persons. And so having a person, a purpose that we all rally toward, which that purpose should be not only the worship of God, but the meeting of the needs of others in a collective fashion. And the greater the unity, the greater the impact. One of the things we're doing through our national ministry, the Urban Alternative, is we have this three-point plan for churches to, one, 
gather together in their community for a solemn assembly, two, to speak with one voice about the major issues there from a biblical framework, and then three, do good works together. Mm. So that they're adopting the school, feeding the poor, or adopting the police station, being harmony between police and community. So you do that together so that the church is now on the forefront, salt and light. Then the fourth area of uh, the kingdom agenda is the culture of the community. And that's where the influence of the church has become so dominant in the community. You know, one of the great transformation times in our culture was the civil rights movement. And the civil rights movement was driven by the church against unjust laws. And because people came together in God's name to address evil, the culture responded because the church led. Mm -hmm. This is time for a righteous and just movement to call the church, Psalm 89, 14 says, from his throne comes righteousness and justice. So that's the movement we need today, led by the church, to bring impact to the culture. You know, Dr. Evans, as you're speaking that, and you said earlier, this has just come to the surface. And I appreciate you saying that because it is a reminder to us that things didn't just get bad in 2020, that they have been bubbling up under the surface for a while. You know, you talk about the church being the movement and making, you know, pushing forward God's agenda for the church, for the people. I want to ask you this. I think right now a lot of people are confusing the church moving and then people claiming to be of Jesus and trying to move things that do not align with the gospel. Can you speak to that a little bit about how we as the church need to kind of hold things accountable and push forward with the right agenda versus our own agenda, but attaching Jesus to it? Jesus is a well-worn name and everybody wants to use him to give validity to what they are about. If it's going to be Jesus, it has to be biblically sanctioned. It has to be biblically authorized. You can never leave the Bible and still hang on to Jesus. Mm. The two inextricably tied together, the living word with the written word. So it must be founded on the word of God in order for it to legitimately include the name of Jesus. And a lot of these things people are talking about today, even a lot of Christian leaders, you know, we've got to talk about not only good policies, but good character. And you got one group that emphasizes character. You got another group that emphasizes policy. When God says both are to reflect his name. So we need a comprehensive or what we call a kingdom approach to this and not just a partisan approach. Christians have become as partisan as politicians are because we have our own pet issues we want to deal with rather than this overarching umbrella of the kingdom of God, which is what the Bible is all about, if we're going to see God invade us to us and through us to make a statement to a world that is desperately in need for governance and guidance. You know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Dr. Evans. I would never do that. But with the conversation you just had and what we said earlier about God is bringing things to the surface to shake things up. Would you say that? Or I don't want to make you say anything you don't want to say. Well, thank you for giving me permission. Okay. No, here's what I would say. I would say Hebrews chapter 12, verses uh, 25 to 28. It says, do not dismiss him who is speaking. And then it uses the word shaking. Whenever God disturbs the natural order of things, to the degree that he disturbs it, he is talking. So right now he is screaming Mm. because he has shaken the natural order of things worldwide by allowing a virus, by allowing these conflicts. So he is actually talking and he says, it goes on to say, don't dismiss it. Don't just say it's politics or economics or medical. No, it's him talking. And he says, when he is speaking, verse 28 says, what he is trying to do is bring your attention back to him. And it says, and his unshakable kingdom. 
So he's trying to now take us to another level of interaction with himself and with one another. So you're absolutely right. He is shaking stuff up because he's trying to do something different. And if we go on with business as usual, we will miss his voice. It's like a parent correcting a child. I tried to spank you the first time. You didn't get the message. So we're going to have to come back again. It's going to be a little bit harder and hotter. Well, that's what God is saying. I've been talking along, but y'all haven't been listening. So I'm going to shake this thing up a little bit more and see if I can get your undivided attention. I am not to be one among many. I'm the chief bottle washer here. I'm in charge. So I need you to appeal to me on every area. And so that's what I'm promoting. And that's what many are promoting as we try to see what God is up to because he's talking. You know, it makes me think of those four things that you talked about with what you're doing. And one of the things was the church, you know, doing a mission together, adopting a school, adopting a police station, you know, those type of things. To me, that feels like what our country for sure is needing is to see the church to be the church instead of this kind of like screaming uh, political side agenda. And they need to see the church step up to be the church. Would you say that would be something that is missing right now in the midst of all of this chaos? Oh, absolutely. A divided church will absolutely contribute to a divided culture. Jesus says in John 17 that make them one as we are one. And then he says something interesting. He says in verse 24, that they may see my glory. Mm. So unity, biblical unity, brings in his manifestation, his visible demonstration. Disunity keeps him away. So Satan has created disunity so that his glory can't be seen. It's like the sun hidden behind the cloud. It's still there, but you just can't see it. Mm. God wants to break through the clouds, and therefore, biblically-based unity is absolutely critical. It's critical in a family. First Peter 3, 7, God says, I will not listen to the husband who is in conflict with his wife. So that's why Satan keeps couples fighting each other so that their prayers can't be answered. Mm. Well, he does the same thing in the church. God, we can have all the prayer meetings we want, but if we don't come together based on a biblical foundation, then the glory of God can, will not be manifested in our midst. So, yeah, the church's posture in this is key. In fact, I'll go so far as to say the main reason for all this is going on is God's wake-up call to the church. What we've focused on is saving the culture. What God is focused on is getting right the church. Hmm. That's good. That's good. You know, when you're talking about the church being unified on, you know, biblical truths, I think that is what is so difficult right now is people want to be unified on political truths instead of biblical truths. And so what is your encouragement to people who are in disunity with loved ones, families? I mean, we've seen so many families torn apart in the last four years just because of political ideologies that they might have differing. What is your encouragement to them to get back and seek that unity that actually matters? Well, the biblical definition of unity is oneness of purpose, not sameness of persons. And the way you have one, and when a football team is unified, it's, it's because they only have one goal. They got, they all, whoever they are in their humanity submits to the color of the uniform that they're wearing. So they may have come from different backgrounds, different races, but they got on the same uniform and they're headed toward that one goal, okay? Our one goal is to advance God's kingdom as his disciples. See, you know what our problem is? We got a lot of Christians, we don't have a lot of disciples. Mm. A disciple is a visible, verbal representative of Jesus Christ. You represent the king and his kingdom. That's why, you know, I told people during this political season, 
And God doesn't ride the backs of donkeys or elephants. You, you ought to be a kingdom independent, okay? No matter how you vote, you come out of that voting booth as a representative of another king and another kingdom. But we've become more Democrat than Christian, more Republican than Christian, rather than being kingdom as Christians. And so until we develop disciples where Jesus Christ overrules on all issues, then we will not see his invasion in the church through its leadership to the congregation to overflow into society. Mm, So good. Thank you for that encouragement. I always like to end my show by asking people what they're reading and you turns your book. I just recently read it. It's so good going through the life of Moses. And so I want to highly recommend people pick up that book. And actually, just to let you know, I actually picked up your study Bible the other day. I was preparing a message to preach in a couple of weeks. And so thank you for that. I really appreciated that. What are you reading these days? What are you intaking? You know, I've been really reading the prophets in light of all that's happening. I've been reading a lot of scripture on the prophets because I wanted to see how they've spoken to the culture mm. for my own ministry, but also to encourage you know our people. So books that are related to the prophetic voice because prophets showed up when things were a hot mess, all right? And so stuff is a hot mess now. And so we don't need sermonettes for Christianettes. We need definitive words of authority, of course, dipped in love, but with biblical authority, thus saith the Lord, not thus how I feel. Mm how you were raised or that's no we need a word from god not a debate about culture but a word from god that's relevant to the real world that people are living working and struggling in today love that well dr evans thank you for spending a little bit of time with us and for all the work you've done with you know the hundreds of books that you've released and the ministry that you've had at your church for over 40 years and your beautiful family that i'm fond of um, and friends with and so thanks for coming on the happy hour today i'm glad that the happy hour has such a happy person as you and I was delighted to be with you. And folks can find out about this plan if you want it for your church. It's on theevans.org. We'll give you the information. And we look forward to serving anyone who wants that emphasis. Thank you so much, Dr. Evans. I told you it was fire, you guys. That episode is maybe one of my favorites I've recorded in a very long time. And I was a little bit nervous sitting down to talk with him. I hope you couldn't tell. Maybe you can. It's okay. But I enjoyed this conversation so much. And my favorite thing that he said, I think, was God is not going to skip the church house to fix the White House. And friends, if you are a follower of Jesus, know that he is in control. He is here with us. And the church has a big obligation right now to look like the church. And so I hope that you are encouraged today through this conversation. If you're looking for anything we talked about in the show today, don't forget you can always find those on the show notes over at jamieivy.com slash HH357. Also, friends, we are almost towards the end of our first month of our marriage challenge. If you're interested in joining us, check us out over at aaronandjamieivy.com. Friends, today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper. Show notes are written by Abby Castell. The music was developed by Matt Graham. The whole thing is put together, produced by Lindsay Sweeney. I'm your host, Jamie Ivy. If you love the show, share it with a friend. It's the number one way that people find out about the happy hour. Have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you back here on Friday with a new friend of mine, Nate Knapper. He's an FBI agent. And Nate started an organization for survivors of sex trafficking. They often need legal help when they are on the other side of freedom. And he set up an organization to do just that. It's a great conversation you do not want to miss. See you back here Friday. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. 
Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com.